Hey everyone. Did you know, according to the sacred text bound in human flesh known as the Necronomicon, that our Dark Lord Cthulhu rests in his sunken city of Rilia on a giant pile of money? Well, if you don't want to see the world devolve into a black abyss of gibbery madness, or you just want to support our show, go ahead and head over to Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast, or head over to alien theorist theorizing dot live where you can suppress the Dark Lord by buying our merch or really stick it to him by leaving us a five star review and subscribing. Thanks a lot. And Fliknui Mlknafa Cthulhu Rilia Wagnagle Fatagan. Wagnagle Fatagan to you too, Dan. In May of 1967, Stefan Michalak was out hunting for quartz when a group of geese had seemingly been spooked by two glowing cigar-shaped objects. Michalak's encounter at Falcon Lake would go on to produce one of Canada's most well-known UFO encounters. A little less than a decade later, and about 100 miles west, over the skies of the town of Carmen, another incredible phenomenon took place. Beginning in early 1975, Town residents began observing a strange object crossing their skies with alarming regularity. The object appeared so frequently that those who watched the skies, trying to catch a glimpse of the object, allegedly began to ascribe human characteristics to the object and even gave it a proper name. According to author Grant Cameron, the phenomenon would produce incredible sightings and encounters for nearly two years and coincide with some of the most tense years of the Cold War. This case file joined the theorists as they keep their eyes on the Manitoba skies in search of... Charlie Red Star. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 154, Charlie Red Star. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. <laughs> I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. So What's going the, on over there? The best fucking part about that is right before we started recording, Braden did nothing about, but complain about his new haircut. And then when the <laughs> stream started, it was just zoomed in on your new shitty haircut. And it was fantastic. How come I can't see? How come I, can't see I don't know, but stream? it was gold. <laughs> It's the best. Oh, you couldn't man. have planned it any better. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a hack job. It happens though. Buddy, it's a high and tight. If this was fucking like 1993, that'd be it. You'd be the guy. I look like I'm getting ready to go to from to be an extra on house party, buddy. You're probably wearing <laughs> hammer pants right now. Nobody can see them if you stand up. So uh, we've been opening this show with a little bit of questions. So I got a question for you guys. Do you guys think it's weird that we personify? Or like give human traits to, you know, some of these cryptids and UFOs and stuff, you know, like Bigfooted, for example, we have a, there's a movie, Harry and the Hendersons, you know, we kind of do this, we give these human traits to these non-human things. What do you guys think about that? Is that normal? Is that just a character? Why do we think, why do we do that? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. You got to sell merch. How else are you going <laughs> to do it? You got to have a cool fucking character name. That's true. I like it. I think it just try, humans are trying to, uh, the, all these personifications some are usually a little making me making it not so evil. 
Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe you see this fucking monster in the woods. You're like, ah, it's a terrifying monster, but no, it's a cuddly Bigfoot, like Harry. I mean, like, like uh, I don't know if everybody knows this, but Zell's real name is Nosferatu, but we give him the name Zell, Zell just Fratu. to fucking Zell Fratu. Zell Fratu. We give him yeah. that just to personify him a bit. You know, we put him, him in the pineapple shirt to make him, you know, more appealing. That's <laughs> formidable. You know, he's just <laughs> yeah, a little color. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dan? Uh, I think I think it's something that's been going on for, you know, time immemorial where it's you try to put a face on the things that you don't understand. And then in some way you're either able to relate or feel like you understand that phenomenon. So, you know, giving these creatures, uh, I think it's very, you know, it's, it's a very good chance of what Zell said is pretty spot on where you kind of give these creatures or uh, phenomenon names or, or personalities and it kind of makes them less scary. Then I also, mean, I think Andrew's also right too, where it's like, yeah, got to sell them Bigfoot tees. <laughs> 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 got to sell those monster trucks, man. Some, like Some situations yeah, for sure. Got to make some money. Man. What do you think, mm. Braden? It's um, it's interesting because I was thinking about it to, like even with the stars, right? When you go, uh, you know, get your star map app and you look at the constellations in, and then you see the pictures of what they're supposed to be and you're like, that doesn't look like that at all. It's just like five stars. They're drawing a picture around it and they've given it these characteristics of something that we know uh, and can understand. Uh, and, and then, you know, they've given stories and legends around all these things. Um, I bring that up because... Today's case file has a lot of those, you know, the personification, maybe to an extreme that I hadn't seemed to, and an extreme to like an ex- like extremely inanimate object. Uh, the story of Charlie Red Star is a very fascinating one. And most of the information, all of the information that you get about this is from a book called Charlie Red Star by Grant Cameron. And this is an interesting one because uh, this is about a UFO flap that started in 1975 uh, for two years, and at the time, Grant Cameron, he made notes of uh, all these sightings that were happening around Manitoba, and he went and interviewed all the people at the time. Okay, so before and, we get too far into this, I, I think you need to break something down for the dummies like me, and I've been waiting at my own expense because I know I'm going to get made fun of it. What the fuck is a UFO flap? <laughs> What the fuck you is don't that? Know? Why is it flap? What do you mean? You what don't know that? what a flap is? No. You what know, what? I'm not flap? even going to tell you. Well, I know like you take off your shirt, you could show us some flaps, but it's I mean not- like. <laughs> I know what it is. Dude, what I know is what it, it? Is, and, I, and I know what Zell and I know Dan knows what it is, but uh, we're, I'm not going to tell you because fuck I think you. that's a journey of self-discovery is much more fulfilling. Listen, what the fuck is a flap? Okay. <laughs> I've been coming Dude, around I, to this I, alien I, shit. I've been doing I better. I have no idea. I don't know what a flap. You don't know? I think it's. You're talking like you fucking know. I have no idea. Making me feel like I'm alone sitting here like an asshole, not knowing a fucking flap is. I All think right. it's I think it's when there's like like just lots of reoccurrence reoccurring, I think. Would a flap do flaps reoccur? Maybe like I don't understand. Unfortunately, when they do occur, it's terrible. I don't like it, but Dan, do you know this one? Is are we all in the dark on this one? Why they call it a flap? I know, I know we talked about it when we talked about the DC UFO flap, uh, and it's mostly, I mean, we tried to look it up, but it's mainly, yeah, it's just like a string of occurrences that uh, happen. Is like it like an acronym? Of, like, what does flap stand no, for? No, it's just, it, yeah, it, it means like a string of occurrences, but I think it comes from like, people get really excited about something. I think in the dictionary, I remember, I remember looking it up last time. Down. Just ready to fucking flap off over all these aliens. It's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> a state of excitement or agitation. That's what we came up with. Uh, a okay. Like a tizzy yeah. or an uproar. We I remember talking yeah. about last yeah. time. So like, you like uh, all right. flap your arms. Or you get excited. Yeah. Like, like a little kid running around super excited flapping his arms. So Grant Cameron, he goes and he interviews all these people during this time. And he puts a manuscript together of a book. Um, and after the flaps over sometime in 1977, he tries to get the book published, uh, gets nowhere with it. Everyone's like, it's not, you know, it's kind of frowned upon the topic. No one, you know, no one really wants to help with the book. So he gives it to his sister and is like, I don't care. Like put it with memorabilia, whatever. I don't give a shit. Uh, and then he forgets about it. 30 years later, uh, his sister digging through the, whatever the, old memorabilia boxes finds this manuscript uh contacts grant cameron and says you have this manuscript still here like you should do something with it grant cameron goes you know what maybe i'll pursue this again and he gets it published uh and this is basically where we get all the information about this ufo flap um so that's a little backstory about the book interesting book interesting read um Dan, why do you take away? Why are we talking about Charlie Red Star? What the fuck is Charlie? What is a Charlie Red Star? So, like we said before, uh, this the book and these occurrences all happened over a over a span of about two years. They started like early 1975, around uh, February. Um, by Mar by May, like it was kind of all in the news uh, and all well, across, <laughs> yeah, man, all, all across news. Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, page news media had been reporting on it and when i say media mostly it's probably like the local media and uh from uh, in terms of national coverage you probably have like the the inquirer and it probably and it popped up on a few uh like unsolved mystery not unsolved mysteries a show but a couple you know alien mysteries tv shows some uh footage popped up which we'll talk about later uh what what people mostly reported to see uh, was what they identified as some sort of kind of red pulsing object that would fly quite low uh, around and over the town of Carmen in, Manitoba. in Manitoba, which is a little Southern bit Manitoba. probably about 50, 50 miles from Winnipeg, like 50 miles west. I'm like, I'm thinking close to Winnipeg. Um, yeah. So you have this this object, which, which just always seemed to appear at usually kind of the same time, same places. Uh, sometimes it's, it's manner would change about where, where exactly it was going, but people had no idea what this thing was. And it became, uh, you know, almost a pastime, uh, within that town. Well, to- like, like, hold on. <laughs> the, the reason it became a pastime is because I've been to Manitoba and listen, no offense to anyone who lives in southern Manitoba, but not a lot going on in southern Manitoba. So this would have definitely made the and you got you know, and it's the highlight. It's so flat that you have so much sky, you see you'd see everything. You'd be looking yeah, you, big, every big night. Sky. You could see from horizon to horizon, and that and that makes a lot of sense because, like I said, people became almost like fanatical about chasing what they termed and what they ended up naming Charlie Red Star. Uh, this this red object that would fly through the sky at, at what seemed to be anywhere between 100 to 1,000 feet in the air, and people would get in their cars and they would chase it for miles. 
going after it. And it was so consistent in some space, like some places. That's what's super weird to me about this is the fact like we've, I can't even count how many fucking UFO stories we've covered, but I don't think we've ever talked about one that's like consistent with that regular fucking activity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so much so that people, it's like to clockwork, people are like, oh, we know, we know Charlie's coming around today. So we're just going to fucking grab a sixer and hang out and watch Charlie. Yeah. What do you guys want to do tonight? You want to, you guys want, when's the last time you went and chased Charlie? You guys want to go chase Charlie? It was a pastime. That's fucking crazy, though. Like, I've never it heard was, that before. It was. It like, was, though. Like, they, they, it was such an occurrence that these people would, you know, there was fanatics like Grant Cameron, who was like, this is crazy. I'm out here every night. And then you have people that'd be like, I'm not that into it. Or they'd get midnight. They'd be like, I want McDonald's. I've had enough. I don't want to wait for Charlie anymore. And they'd go. <laughs> what other right? stories like, do we know of, like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody says, like, if you go out hunting a UFO, you're not going to find shit. You have to, the UFOs find you. No, if you go with uh, Dr. Greer, he guarantees he'll show you UFOs. Yeah, you only got to pay fucking you, six grand. You got to sign an NDA, though. Smoke some yeah, fucking gotta fancy pay, uh, shit. You got to pay your <laughs> you, You're definitely guaranteed to see UFOs, but you can't tell anybody. You can't, tell you can't record it. You can't tell anybody. The The other weird thing with this one right away is, to, <laughs> that struck me as weird as soon as I started looking into it, is that by all accounts is that Charlie Red Star, this glowing red orb, is described as friendly or mischievous. And I don't know if that's what... If I would... Like, after listening to a lot of these things, I don't know if that those are the two terms that I would more like, attribute to them. <laughs> Terrifying. Something like uh, War of the Worlds. It, this, uh, yeah, I would probably agree with you because uh, some of the first sightings that occurred uh, that that concerned what was would be the object were were something that would happen at the people's houses and they would hear this noise. This this noise. There was a certain noise that was attributed to or associated with with Charlie Red Star when it was flying low enough that people could actually hear it. Uh, I know they reported hearing a, a, like it was a, like a high pitched drone sounding kind of like a siren somewhere between halfway between a siren and a jet engine is what people reported hearing. Uh, sometimes it would be for an extended period. And then other people said that, that you would hear this sound as it was taking off, like uh, there, there were a couple reported sightings of it actually landing in a in a couple fields or on the side of the road, and then people would approach it. You'd hear that sound of it taking off, and then they would go. And you just burst into giggle and laughter because you were having so much fun. But, yeah, <laughs> oh, nothing, Charlie! Nothing there, Charlie! Isn't that the Canadian way? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, there he goes gotta, again. Gotta be nice. To, he's just you know he's misunderstood. That, that, Good old Charlie. That fella up there, he's just Charlie. He's not harming anybody. Even if he does, it was probably an accident. It's, just old, it's old Charlie just going for it. another beer run there, eh? Yeah. Hey, no take, take off, eh? <laughs> Dude, that's my favorite part, is that the Charlie would take such a course that, you know, they basically knew where he would go, and he would ping-pong across the sky, described as ping-ponging his way, that the locals all said it's just Charlie on his beer run. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Charlie's beer run apparently was international because people reported seeing this this object uh, traveling along and over uh, the U.S. border. Uh, and so you'd have 
the town of what is Walhalla, <laughs> Walhalla, North Dakota. And then it would say that when they reported when Charlie would go across the border, he would drop altitude until about Roland, Manitoba. And then they would say that he's not, like I said, I, I most people estimated it being like, but not more than a thousand feet off the ground. How much you want to bet yeah. he, he crosses the border and it suddenly goes from being lovable fucking Charlie Red Star to being Charlie the Dread Star and getting fuck dodging bullets, fucking <laughs> yeah. people panicking yeah. and Oh, we knew Charlie by a different name down here. <laughs> Old Charlie Dread Star. So, Charlie Dread Star. So great. this is this is 1975, right? This is when the, these encounters isn't that the same? Like this is pretty important time for ufos right because like this is the same time that wasn't it travis walton had his little fucking encounter too mm-hmm. yeah the 70s 60s 70s pretty much the whole atomic age is was the this peak, is the boom is the peak, peak. of ufo sightings. yeah yeah with cold wars and shifting into high gear uh a lot of international tension going around around the world uh nuclear proliferation is happening uh and so you know, there's people who draw that connection that mm. perhaps this has something to do with that. And we can get into that a little bit no, later. We'll get, later. The, we'll yep. get into that a little uh, later. This UFO flap made such a impact that even uh, Dr. Alan Hynek, who's, you know, famous for Project Grudge, working on Project Grudge, Project Sign, Project Blue Book, um, actually had, you know, something to say about it. Uh, you know, talking about how you have this almost like a it seems to be like an area that these ufos frequented and he said quote we have had for the past six weeks a fair amount of activity in southern manitoba in an area about 55 miles south of winnipeg we've had some very interesting sightings from there the pattern has been in the past that an area can remain ufo hot for several weeks and then things die down this thing is unusual and then it has lasted so long because at this point it had been uh, he was making this this statement where Charlie had been appearing for almost like three months, three to four months. And he went to go on and say that it's beginning to look as if northern Wisconsin, northern Minnesota and southern Manitoba form one large area. So a whole international. So it's, it's got a big it, like Charlie, you know, Red Star's cruising a huge area of land on, on a regular like on a routine almost it seems like well we know why he's fucking coming to canada let's be honest it's, it's the fucking crap beer in the states he's like listen this isn't gonna get me going well, especially back then they didn't have much selection no he's coming to canada to fucking do it right <laughs> uh i mean this this report is also it's like you didn't just have civilians uh making these reports you had uh our rcmp officers taking down reports uh corporal glenn toes of the rcmp uh, who's our officer in carmen uh remarked saying that i received five reports out of seven nights last week at one week um and a lot casually mentioned it to you without filing a report. So the people wouldn't file reports, but they would mention, they'd report this thing and kind of like, do you want to go on paper reporting this? Of course, the person says, no, it's just something weird. You know, he said that there are a considerable number of reports and people who are seeing, you know, these are pretty reliable people. And you know, that that's his words. Uh, these people that are reporting, seeing something or all these people is just, these aren't the kind of people to just make up stories. 
you know, I don't, I, it, it does it sounds like I've never been to Southern Manitoba, but I mean, I imagine that it might be boring out there, but not boring enough to bug the RCMP with a bunch of stories about a bouncing red ping pong ball flying through your backyard. Yeah. When you live down there, it, the winters are so bad. It makes like the people are a little, uh, I would say a little stronger stronger will and they're not they're not just gonna they're hard hardy people hardy hardy people down there dude so the just just to give a just to give an update on carmen currently the population of carmen is about three thousand people that's today that's like a thousand more than 1975 right so it's like that's crazy that's what i'm saying is like that's small town that's small town rural canada you had to nice, roll it. Yeah, nice yeah. roll. Did you like that? Did you like that? And did. Really. Well, still, and I would say that still kind of sells the story even more because you have these RCMP officers who obviously everybody knows everybody. Yep. You know, you would know who the troublemakers are. You would know. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. There'd be like, you know, three, three or four cops in the whole city. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure like they're hearing these stories and like, this is weird. Like he's, they're not, it's not the crazy. These aren't the crazies. Like these aren't the people who would just come out for, attention or whatever these are these are reliable hard-working people so what's going on something is happening oh no 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 bob and lane would never be lying <laughs> uh one of the uh, one of the people who's central to this kind of this narrative of charlie red star is a uh, a man known as anthony Britton. Uh, oh i know is- i know that name that's he's a local hero yeah he is indeed right. uh yeah, he's he a local local I hero know that there guy. in carmen yeah, yeah. Uh, known for what exactly? Oh, he's just just a local legend, local hero. You talk to any person down there in Southern Manitoba, and they're gonna, listen. They're you gonna talk know to him. anyone in Canada, and they know who Anthony. What's his last name again? Britain. 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 They know exactly who Anthony Britain is from Carmen, Manitoba. You don't even have to say Britain, though. You just have to right. say local hero, local hero Anthony. Anthony. That's all you got to say. Yeah, we go by we we call him Tony. That's what we call him in Canada. <laughs> Tony, what's his last name? Britain, Doesn't matter. Britain. Tony B. Tony B. That's right. where I got confused. Yeah, to his, local to, legend to his close friends, Tony B. That's it's my favorite part because in everything he's described as a local hero, but then it never just. I'm like, why is he a hero? Well, it might have to do with uh, his hobby, which was restoring rare uh, World War II planes, uh, very rare. Or it might have uh, to do with the fact planes. that he won the uh, 1969 Pi. Pie eating contest there at the county fair. It's a big deal. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's <laughs> but true. It sounds like not that may off, be true. But he did. Uh, he had a fascinating hobby of restoring these uh, these antique planes. Uh, he was known to have one of the few people to have restored, like fully restored a Japanese Zero uh, to flyable condition. Uh, he'd also known for uh, was a. Was the one the Hawker Hurricane was one of the another ones that he restored. So Anthony Britton and his wife were kind of seen as almost Charlie Red Star kind of experts because they they had a couple of spots which they identified that where Charlie was frequent to appear. Uh, they would take people out to their to these viewing spot and pretty much like eight out of ten times you would end up seeing what they what they would say is charlie red star you'd you'd cite something so charlie out for a beer run simple as that yeah, you'd see the charlie beer run <laughs> nothing to be concerned well, about here 
move along. And we're going to get into some some of the cases and the reasons why and uh, some of the cases of Charlie, but let's first have a quick beer break. Make sure to come back. We got some a lot of interesting stuff we got to go through. Hey, everyone. Did you know, according to the sacred text bound in human flesh known as the Necronomicon, that our Dark Lord Cthulhu rests in his sunken city of Rilia on a giant pile of money? Well, if you don't want to see the world devolve into a black abyss of gibbery madness, or you just want to support our show, go ahead and head over to Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast, or head over to alien theorist theorizing dot live where you can suppress the Dark Lord by buying our merch, or really stick it to him by leaving us a five-star review and subscribing. Thanks a lot. And Fliknui Mlknafa Cthulhu Rilia Wagnagle Fatagan. Wagnagle Fatagan to you too, Dan. Okay, so we left off. We're just about. So we know who Charlie Redstar is. He's now we're gonna go through some of the accounts that are brought to you in the book, Charlie Redstar. So I guess let's start with one of the more terrifying ones. It takes <laughs> You mean friendly or mischievous? Friendly yeah. a friendly mischievous. Red ball of light flies past on March 27th of 1975, flies southeast of Graysville, and a young girl was awake, like awoken by a loud, I want to say happy sound, but it probably sounded more something like. Past her window, and it felt like the house started to shake, like almost like an earthquake there, where she seen like intense, like light flooding the house, and it it looked like, in her words, in the quote from the book, is looked like the sun was coming up, but it was the middle of the night. And this UFO, the same Charlie Red Star, shook the house with, I guess, because its proximity to the house. I'm guessing. Well, it sounds like it sounds like the it, the scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, kind of. Honestly, it like does. it sounds like that red light kind of shooting through Char- the thing, the big sound, here, everything shaking. Listen, doesn't here. sound very mischievous. You're getting it. No, no, you're getting it all wrong. Listen, Charlie was on his way back from a beer run, saw a good spot to have a little party, and next thing you know, boom, boom, shake the room. <laughs> Just trying to have a good time here. <laughs> Stop trying to make boom, it something boom, that's not, boys. I like I like how it's like at, at what point. Is that your whole house shaking? Light, um, <laughs> blood, blood red light described as a heartbeat pulsing that you think it's daytime, yeah. followed by this loud screeching noise, and you're like, I'm having fun. I'm in danger. Just your regular old fucking uh, electric circus dance party. That's all that is, I'll tell you what. That'd be f- fucking terrifying. Terrifying. Like, I couldn't imagine in the middle of the night, right now, if I wake up in the middle of the night, my house is shaking, and <laughs> it's like, I look at my clock, and it's 3 a.m., and there's light coming in that I think is daytime, I'm not having fun. I'm just saying, I'm not having a good time. Good times are not being had. Yeah, the the red light is definitely, people who came into close proximity of Charlie Red Star, uh, the red light is is one of them. Uh, is one of the main characteristics well, of what this I'd was. I'd imagine, it's probably where he got his name from, right? Yeah, <laughs> you can imagine. You can imagine. But he is, uh, yeah. None of this sounds particularly pleasant uh, when people come close to contact with this thing. There's not any real reports of it injuring anybody. There's no reports of things either turning not uh, physically, violent. not physically injuring anyone. He's closed. Yeah. Friendly yeah. and mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> this girl had lifelong night terrors. You mean lack of sense of humor? Doesn't understand <laughs> yeah. the mischievousness. 
Sounds like to me she had a stick up her butt. Yeah, I concur. Charlie didn't actually just spook humans. It wasn't just people who were scared of this thing. There were also recorded or reported uh, reactions of animals. Like animals would definitely get spooked. A lot of people who had encounters with this said that their dogs uh, started going crazy. Uh, you know, one report of a resident like running out of the house expecting had their 22 caliber rifle out and they were going to run outside expecting to see some strange like stray dog had wandered onto their property. Uh, you know, <laughs> instead they see friendly and mischievous blood red. Charlie, you know, Charlie, Dude, that description field is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that description is awesome and I loved it because she's like, oh, I, I just ran out with a gun because I thought there was going to be some dogs attacking my cows. And when I went out, I saw Charlie over the horizon and all my cows were standing there fixated with blood red eyes. I was like, that oh, is not that's terrifying. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Is that all a, your like, cows are fixated on the light with blood red eyes? What's going uh, on in Man- First of all, what's going on in Manitoba? They have just fucking... Packs of wild dags running around attacking cows. That's a normal Street thing. Street dogs might have been a bunch of fucking dags. Like that's that's your go-to. Maybe she meant it, there's wolves. a fucking cocker spaniel attacking my cow again. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know what the dog situation is in Manitoba. Is, I don't know, Dan. We should probably contact the Manitoba SPCA and figure it out. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Make a donation. Can we get a can we get a straight dag report from 1975? <laughs> They're obviously to not and neutering their dags out in Manitoba. I'm sure that is easily accessible information from Stats Canada. No problem. Get on it. Yeah. Um, but, but that, like, yeah, you know, the, those cow, those reports were terrifying, and those weren't the only animal reports. So you had the other, there was another family, another couple, uh, the McCanns, who were actually, you know, when they had an encounter with Charlie, Charlie actually spooked their herd of horses. Like they had a large herd of horses, um, which they, you you know, they kept on their, and their property. So they had about, let's see, 200 horses something is what they were saying by uh, is uh, claimed by Joseph McCann minus 32. (laughs) Well, yeah, after the fact. So when they, when they heard that their horses at the, you know, their sighting occurred, they thought the field was on fire at first, you know, it was, they (laughs) thought the field hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they go, they popped out there and they thought that, that this, that you know they knew about charlie red star it was kind of is, is in the news it's, it's, it's common knowledge at this point in which they had seen it and uh they had thought that it was in the field like it had landed because there were reports of this this thing landing people who identified it or said that they had saw it land they said it was kind of like this half dome shape seemed to have like windows around the side but it was still like a glowing red uh object which would take off and and usually hover above the ground i don't you know they there's some reports of landing site what suspected landing sites where things don't grow anymore or these strange uh half or full horseshoe shaped uh like just dead spots how hard fields. how hard are these fucking people from manitoba they look outside their door and see nothing but fucking fire and brimstone looks like the fucking apocalypse and they're like oh charlie he's yeah. up to it again oh you know what if he comes back again i'm gonna grab my 22 <laughs> throw off a couple warning shots let him know we're here to have fun 
No biggie. <laughs> no biggie, Charlie. You enjoy that beer run, okay? Hey, take off, eh? <laughs> See you like again, unbelievable. Like, you, you come outside, you think your field's on fire. I'd be like, there's no way, like, no, that's like, no one's having fun there. No one in that situation is having fun. The McCann's kind of theorized for for some reason that the, the horses ended up getting spooked and they kind of started to stampede and they later settled down, but they couldn't hear any sound from the object. So they kind of, this, this led them to believe that this noise or something that the, the object was probably making some sort of sound that was outside of audible frequency because it was still spooking the horses and they couldn't hear anything even from 500 feet away. So like an infrasound or something like that? Possibly. Perhaps. Possibly. So that, uh, and that was the first account that it went more, not just from a red orb. This was actually had now of more of like a classic saucer, like the, like the, the shape, the yeah. shape on like the ball on top, like the dome. Right. And so, and then after they take account of these horses, apparently 32 had gone missing. Well, Grant, Grant missing Cameron didn't, didn't add that in his book, but in all interviews, he talks about, you know, the McCann's. The McCann's are one uh, of the, like the fucking figureheads of his interviews. He goes off on them for fucking like 20 minutes on every single one. It's crazy. So wait, the, let's, the horses, they disappear like they ran away? Yeah, they ran away and then Mr. They, McCann went into the fucking local RCMP offices, office and tried to file a report. And, and the horses and were never found? It, they it vanished? Probably, it probably went something like this, is what I imagine. Oh, hey there, officer. Uh, I'm coming here to report that I've got a couple of their, uh, couple of my horses are there missing. Well, you don't say there, Mr. McCann. Tell me, wh- what's going on here? Do you have any suspects or anybody you like for this situation? Well, not that there's the wild thing, because now I am, I'm thinking that because last night me and the wife, we went outside and we were seeing this, this kind of strange we thought the field was on fire at first but now and when we go back and we go outside it looks like it's one of them there charlie red stars whoa you're not surely you don't mean charlie red star you're probably meaning charlie mcdonald from turtlesford there he's been up to a lot of no good lately no i'm pretty sure that it was charlie red star because i'm gonna stop you right there for a second there mr mccann uh mccluskey mccluskey i need you here pronto asap here we got i need backup Right now. Uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Captain McClendon. What do you need? Well, we got a problem over here. You need to drop whatever you're doing right here. It's This is priority well, one. Well, I'm just, I've just got the that murder suspect. I've got him. He's about to confess. McCluskey, I'm about to break him. I fucking told you right now. Don't make me raise my voice. Priorities. Get over here. This fucker over here, Mr. McAsshole, has got something bad to say about our boy, Charlie Redstar. We need to solve oh, hold this. Hold on. I'll, I'm going to cut this guy loose right now. Let him What's go. this about Charlie? Are you sure he doesn't mean Charlie McDonald from Turtleford? No, I asked him already. He's talking about our boy, Charlie Redstar. No, oh. this is there. Is Ch- this is Charlie Redstar. I go out there and it's his, that light is as red as that stoplight, that new stoplight over there in that intersection between this, the, two, the two new roads over there that they're building over there by hey. the Charlie M- McDonald's house. You listen here, you McPiece of shit. I'm not going to listen to here besmirching the good name of Charlie Redstar. All right, so you better buck and backtrack here. 
These are, I'll tell Mr. McCann, I'll tell you right now, these are some serious goddamn allocations, eh? And you better take off, eh? If you think that you're going to come in here, you know how much this goddamn town's invested in Charlie Land? This is all we have in Manitoba. This is the best thing to ever happen to Manitoba. And you're going to come in here. You know what? Sorry, Cap. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. McCluskey, it's fine because you know what? Charlie Redstar is a goddamn national hero. He's Manitoba's Mickey Mouse, for fuck's sakes. You better backtrack, my friend. Now, I'm not saying that there it probably is Charlie Redstar, but it probably is Charlie hey. Redstar. And it sounds like right now you're trying to tell me to hold my horses, but I can't hold my fucking horses because they're all gone. McCann, first of all, I'm not even sure you had any fucking horses. And I don't give a shit if you're my kid's fucking hockey coach. You come over here oh, talking this shit. Gavin to see that there ice time. You're going to have don't to tell you me that you Gavin's the best two-way player you got on that fucking Whoa, team. boys, boys, McCann. let's leave the minor hockey out of this. Oh, fuck. We got the McCullough Cup coming up next week, and this guy's bringing up fucking hockey. We're going to have a problem here. I'm, listen, McCann, I'm going to tell you right now, it's in your best interest to keep your goddamn mouth shut and turn around and forget about those fucking horses. Do you Kick hear me? Fucking forget rocks, about the McAsshole. fucking horses. We'll see if anybody's gonna forget about my damn horses when I go straight to the National Enquirer. I'll go straight to them. They've been in here investigating for the last couple months now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they'll fucking find your horses yeah. when they find Bat Boy. They're a nationally fuck off. syndicated periodical. Right. I'll tell you. Just take off, eh, McCann? This is getting too heated. God damn it! I can't believe the Can fucking goal on that guy bringing up Gavin. Jesus. I know, you know what? He's got you by the short and curlies. You know, don't Listen push here. his buttons. Gavin's the best goddamn Gavin. center he's got on his fucking team. Hey, he let's, wants to win hey, that McCulloch Cup. He knows what that's he's going to do. It's a tough year for Gavin, too, because this is the year the juniors are going to have a look at him. He's going to get drafted. I'll tell you that right now. He's a I leading so. scorer, for Christ's sake. You know, he's a good kid. Oh, he's that, a good kid. That and I'd hate McCann. to see something like this ruin his chances. Oh, and I can't, I can't say 100% <laughs> that's exactly how it went, but that's pretty much how it went. <laughs> Dude, honestly, the town McCann came forward and was like, "I think uh, Charlie Redstar abducted my horses or took the horses," and everyone in town was like, "Fuck this guy, fuck the McCann." Yeah, he became some we type of pariah, them. I guess. That just like fuck that entire family. So I don't know if the town just assumed. And and listen, it's small town, so like rumors and shit run rampant in small towns. Like I live in a small town of forty thousand, and like shit gets around. So I can't imagine in like a town of like what, 2,200 maybe back in the day? Let's say even 3,000. Let's say it has the same amount of people. <laughs> Shit would fly. So maybe these are the, the McCanns are a type of people. I would hate, like, I don't want to sell anyone's name, but maybe the McCanns are a type of people where they're like, they're just bullshit because they want totally. attention or. Well, what is like, right? were his horses insured? You know what I mean? Like, that's the no thing. Chance. Like, so many, so many people fucking came across and talking about Charlie Red Star, like, he's fucking great. And then this guy comes up and shits on the parade, ruins it, paints him to be a bad guy. You're not selling t shirts for the asshole fucking UFO. This is Get right rid of them. This is right around the time when cattle mutilations were rampant across North America. I, this Charlie Red Star, he took him. He Dude, took him. I, I, he took the fucking I'll get horses. into it in my theories after, but, you know, like I said, none of this is fun and mischievous. Like, honestly, none of it. None of it. None of it. None of it. Uh, what else we got? What other instances of Charlie terrorizing fucking people? Well, there, there's another instance of people seeing it not only as a orb, but as, like, the actual craft. It was Bob and Elaine Diermert. And they oh, pretty good, good folks. And they are quoted as saying as, through the book, is a big red light coming at us like a big landing light. You couldn't miss it. It was right at eye level, and it was just lofting along. 
It was close enough already that you could see the dome, but it was all red, pulsing red. So another time, so now it's pulsing red. Pulsing red. red. Pulsing red, yeah. but a dome. Sounds like, like fucking Zell after a beach day. <laughs> Dude, it sounds like Zell. The second Andrew's like, I'm having issues setting up. Oh Jesus! (laughs) Oh man! Um, No, it goes away fast. Quick, quick rage, and that's gone. I've been on a roll. It's been good. I've been on a fucking roll. It's been the best couple months of podcasting in my life. (laughs) But they they pretty much describe it as about 300 feet above the treetops, about 30 miles an hour, and it lasted for about five to seven minutes, just kind of floated from horizon to horizon. And Yeah, that, that's another thing that I also found strange about a lot of the sightings, is that it, this object seemed to travel very slowly, right? So it's it, like it, people would drive, like they would drive after it, even though you have a lot of sky, like you have a lot of, you know, to, to travel under and, and you could see for a very long distance, like it, you could chase this thing in your car. Yep. Take it easy, man. Be- Charlie fucking drinks a lot of beer. All right. He's probably got a little bit of a beer belly. Probably not most, most fucking athletic UFO in the league. He's pretty, pretty lazy guy. Yeah. Really, you know, just really, really he's lazy. Here for the beer. Not lazy, just more like, you know, carefree. Yeah, he's here for the beer. No big deal. Why you guys got to chase him? Stress him out. One of the other things that seemed... There's another common thread that ran through some of the sightings where people reported seeing the, the, the main craft. So you have this main craft that people reported seeing that the red orb. Yep. Uh, that would sometimes it, it, it would even split into two or the like two objects would seem to kind of split into two. And then travel. play tag. Yeah. Play tag was one of the, the phrases that people used to reference. It, it's it's, you know, it's destination, whatever. It's traveling through the sky. And um uh, but one of the more dramatic sightings that they had uh, took place at what is the uh, the Stephen Field Dam, which oh, is yeah, this about, one's wild. Yeah, which is about three miles west from where the the object had actually been filmed by the CKY crew, and we'll we'll show that in a little bit. Um, uh, these three or no five men uh, who had been partying. Uh, now, so this kind of lean somewhere on the credibility, but the, the fact that there were five of them and they all saw the, the exact same thing uh, at about 2 a.m., they saw something that they had walked over to the south side of this reservoir and they stood out on the dock overlooking the water, I guess, as you do at 2 a.m. in southern Manitoba. Something to do, I well, suppose. Honestly, I honestly I imagine they weren't just standing there. What I imagine is they're probably having a fire by the reservoir as someone who's had plenty of fires by plenty of bodies of water. I've been up plenty of times around that time. And if all of a sudden a red orb descended onto the body of water, guess what? I'd probably walk to the shoreline. If there was a dock, I <laughs> would probably walk out to the dock again walk? and be like, huh? You'd be running the fuck out of there. Right. And they, they described it as a being a, the glowing, a glowing red object. And they said it is was like the size of the full moon. Now, I don't know whether it's like, you know, a full, full moon where it's like, yeah, super moon or the, you know, just a tiny little dot, you know the dot they usually see it but this this object seemed was only what they said a couple hundred feet away from the dock that they were standing on and it just remained motionless just sitting over uh over these two buoys and between these two buoys suddenly it shot th- out this I thought you said there beam. was five buoys <laughs> uh in between these two buoys that it had taken its position, it shot down some sort of white 
beam is what they described. And this beam remained on this single point in the water for a few seconds. And then these five men described seeing a smaller white object that was somewhere between six to 10 feet across had formed below the spot where the beam had touched the water. So it was underneath oh. the water. Powering and this up was only USO? Perhaps, right? And it's only about, they well, said they could see that. it clearly 100 feet from the shore. Wait, this, this thing. this It shoots a beam of energy from the sky into the water. Yes. And then a, something in the water begins to either like, like vibrate or move and like makes a pattern on the water. Like you can see well, something it began, underneath. It began glowing white at first. Uh, and then they said that beneath the surface of the water, like it started moving slowly towards the dock on which they were standing. Now, kudos for these guys. They didn't go fucking bolting because I, nope, I'm not standing on a dock. I was like, I've seen this movie gone. before. Grease lightning, yeah. dude. Get out, out of there. there. See ya. But of course, this is 1975, so Fire in the Sky probably hasn't come out yet. So they're not officially freaked out by what's going to happen next. This luminous object, which is is physically lighting up the water. Coming uh, towards them. Right. Coming towards them is... Uh, Slowly. Like, not right. at a at a steady pace, but not too fast. Well, the guy's at yeah. least a six year deep, so he's not moving too, too fast. Minimum. Uh, they said that this glowing object became within 15 feet of the dock. Oh. And then one of the... One of the uh, one of the men picked up a rock and like, as I guess you would do, because this is a good idea. I, if there's five guys together, somebody's going to be throwing a rock. Someone, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yep. <laughs> so he chucks this rock at the object. Uh, we all got what, that buddy. We all got that friend. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be me. Uh, and so this object, they reported, actually physically seemed to hit the object. But when it hit the object, the object split into four pieces. And the rock did or the ship? four pieces seemed to align themselves, uh, oh. orient, orienting themselves in a direct line towards uh, back towards the object that was floating above the buoys, uh, still uh, still emitting this white beam of light. So and They described it as like a conveyor belt, like really slowly just traveling back towards that beam of light, like in unison. And when they reached, uh, when these objects reached the light uh, or the beam. The objects and the beam <laughs> disappeared. That's the music that wasn't playing, but should have been playing while this was happening to them on the dock. Yeah. And that's hilarious. Like that whole story, everything about that. I was like, <laughs> that's the funniest story. Uh, I've ever Charlie heard. Red Star at it again. What a funny <laughs> UFO. He's so mischievous there. Uh, so the objects and the beam of light disappeared. This huge red disc, they said, broke into two pieces and then flew east back towards Carmen. Now, is this the same night that this, the crew from the local television station recorded the video? Um, I think this was a little, little while after that they had actually think, but we do, we do have the, the video that a, like a TV station, CKY TV. Whoa, what? The band. CKY? Yeah. Not, not, not the band. band. Not the band. What? And that, that was a pain in my butt. Cause I had to keep looking for that and I had to go through that shit and have flashbacks. All the videos. Nice oh, man. What do you do? That's a pain in that. That's awesome. You go down a rabbit hole for fucking couple hours. 
Mm. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so CKY TV, uh, they had news crews out there for about two weeks, I believe, uh, trying to track down, you know, get photos of whatever is going on. You know, this, this, these incredible stories that were coming out of, you know, middle of nowhere in Manitoba. And uh, they actually managed to get some footage, which appeared on on one TV show. And I think we have that. Um, yeah. Up. Yeah. So I got I got the video. Up. <laughs> I got the video up and here. If, but listen, you got to go join our Patreon because you got to see this live stream video. It's, it's pretty this funny. This news reporter I thought was, I think this is Sasha Baron Cohen's first role in 1975 where he plays a, a you know, like small town Canadian reporter and pranks people. Oh. It sure looks like him. It is. I'm gonna play it here. I can't. I'm not gonna play the sound, but here, let's have a little. So that's a uh, Sacco Cohen from 1975 in a great. Wearing a wig, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> really does look. Like Sasha him. looks good, man. Yeah, he's looking great. But yeah, this video is done by the the CKY crew, and oh, here I just can't get over this guy. This is. This, yeah, I, I want to turn looked, the sound on so bad, but I'm not because there's music in the background. He, it we'll sounds like Sasha Baron Cohen doing a French accent. So now here's the video that they filmed after Funny, two weeks does. of looking. Yeah. He does that. In so we're looking at an orb. Elites. What we're looking at, we're looking at an orb, stationary orb. Boom. And then, then a there's a bright flashlight and it's gone. It splits. It looks like it splits into like kind of like a red. I'm going to play it back here. It splits into like a red, like red orbs as it splits across. So boom, gone. You see a red flash. Like there's three orbs on the one side and then like a looks like a bigger orb on the left or like a flash on the left. One more time. Yeah, they slow it. They slow it down after this, too. And boom, boom, big flash. It's pretty fucking weird. It, it, Go on. it looks like that spotlight moon or that full moon we were talking about. So here's the slow motion yeah. version. Grainy as and hell. Then you see this, and then you see the orb kind of like. I think that's the camera's, um, you know, uh, speed, whatever, capturing as it moves. And it, it's moving so fast that it skips. Like, so it just looks like, you know, dot after dot after dot after dot moving down the screen. But very like when slowed down. Yeah, they didn't the frame low frame rate. The frame rate couldn't handle it. But uh, then they capture another one of it traveling, and they just same thing, just going over the tree line, and it's just dot 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 because it moves so fast, <laughs> gone. Yeah, and it was that video. That's the one that Heineck. That's that's why he pretty much they came and investigated because that one, that night they're like chasing the they were chasing Charlie Red Star. There was actually like three groups of people all went different ways. They're like all trying to get an angle on to film it, and that's when they end up getting. But then through that, they actually ended up like testing what they thought might have been like a landing site for like, I don't know what, he, what he, they're trying for like some type of radiation, like a Geiger counter or something. But the, in the end, it was uh, concluded that there was no, no uh, concern because there was like no change in the amount of radiation. But that was the one that got the attention of Heineck in the project. And it's pretty cool. At least there's... You know, at least they have a video of something. Yeah, there's there's evidence of here. There's not much because not much. But. Uh, they're apparently there's another video. Uh, uh, the author of the book uh, mentions that there's another video, and and he seems to say that is that only twelve people have seen it, of which you know from the time that he wrote the book. But that's like you know if he wrote that book, I don't know if that that's that was post ever but i don't know who else has seen it but it, it really sees that most of the photos that come out of this case are all just a single point of light you really don't get the uh, there, there's no real pe- the descriptions 
are very good of people saying that they saw either this dome shaped object or this saucer shaped object uh, that seemed to have windows on the side or uh, people describing it having some type of uh, like a halo type of light on top or on bottom. Uh, people also describe seeing triangular uh, configurations of lights underneath the object. So you have all these descriptions of things, but you don't really have any solid, you know, photographic evidence or video evidence. The only thing you really have is, is that one video that the CKYTV uh, managed to, to capture. Um, but in terms of pictures, I mean, there's all kinds of things where people are like, well, we couldn't get any good photos because just, you know, the technology wasn't, you know, at that point, they couldn't right. get the good equipment out there at that time just wasn't something that people were going to come out and cover. Well, there was one lady um, that was able to get good pictures of it because she was taking pictures behind glass. Apparently that was the fucking trick to snapping shots of fucking Charles, Charles. She was using, her name was Tannis major and she was using this fancy technique of, I don't know how, where she came up with it, but, but yet have we seen any of these pictures? No, no, I couldn't find any other. The one thing though about is the video. The one thing I have to bring up about this though is, you know what I mean. She she's the only one getting good pictures of this guy of Charlie. I have a question for you boys. Who was the one person that got got good pictures of Spider Man? Oh, Spider-Man, Peter shit. Parker. Tannis Major, Charlie Redstar. Tannis Major is Charlie Redstar. Red Case fucking closed. Wow. Done. Is Solved. Mongoose finished. So this. <laughs> This she is cut his camera. So she also <laughs> had, she then. also had an overbearing boss that was asking her for more pictures of Charlie Redstar. Yeah, get me more pictures God of Charlie Redstar. God damn it, Major! <laughs> a menace. He's a menace to society. Um, do we have any more cases that we wanted to go through of Charles Redstar? I think those are most of them. I think it's uh, you know, now you kind of get into the theories of why there were so many sightings in this All area. Right. Let's get into that. Why do we think? Why do we think that in this two-year period, there was such an interest by whatever this object was to be in that area of time between 1975 and 1977? Yeah, why the localized interest? Like just then, just for like six months in that area? I mean- Charlie Land. I guess not. We've talked about it on Patreon before, the Falcon Lake incident from what, like that was in 67 or something? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. So the, the area is not unfamiliar with the UFOs, but they seem to come in groups. So is it like, is it, you could go with like, is it a military thing? Is it like, is that, are they testing craft just for like six months and then they, they move them somewhere else or? Well, Grant Cameron, you know, if his theory is that during this time uh, in 1975, that uh, U.S. Air Force bases in North Dakota had, um, you know, been stocked up with their Minuteman three intercontinental ballistic missiles and they had their silos everywhere. Uh, and basically, they had like 300 nuclear warheads. And he says that in 1975, if North Dakota was its own country, it would have been considered a nuclear superpower. And so we've, you know, we've theorized a lot of times that a lot of these UFO occurrences have, you know, were around these sites in these areas. So maybe this was a situation where uh, Charles Red Star, Charlie Red Star was like monitoring the situation of our nuclear capabilities of, or the United States. And then was just drifting into Canada for some beer and maple syrup for the beer run for the strong beer and the, delicious, and the clean water, <laughs> clean water and delicious maple syrup. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I wouldn't, it would make sense kind of because how many nuclear bases are in that area? 
Like, is there a lot of silos or were there a lot of silos? Do we know? Yeah, that? North Dakota was stocked full. Big. Yeah, it was also uh, in the later part of 1976, 1978. Uh, they, well, 1976, I'm pretty sure they began the construction on a type of uh, the U.S. had made an agreement with uh, the Soviet Union that they were going to both start building their own uh, inst- or begin the installation of these defense missile like ground-based uh missile defense systems and the one that the the main component of the u.s one was installed in north dakota and uh you can find pictures of this one i forget what it's it's like a they had this advanced type of radar that they used uh or installed on the base and it looks like a pyramid looks pretty cool uh and with the installation of this they also installed a bunch of like smaller yield nuclear like nuclear missiles that they would use um there were two types that they would use ones for intercepting missiles that were outside the atmosphere and then also smaller yield ones i think there's like 10 megaton for outside and five megaton for inside the atmosphere to intercept soviet missiles in the case of a nuclear assault um eventually so, this shortly it's after got a this. sweet name too i just found it I, I, what's the name so it's it's like stands for like parks or perimeter acquisition radar attack characterization system yeah, built, cool. built in 75 right uh, see that's interesting because we've talked about it a lot so maybe this is one of those things where you know we've i think we've talked theorized about it before but maybe like intelligent life like ours is rare and there is some sort of intergalactical, like non-interference treaty where these things like aren't supposed to come and, you know, kind of fuck with us, like, you know, or mess with us. But because they're monitoring the situation here on Earth and they see this heightened level of, you know, we're splitting the atom, we're making these huge devastating bombs that are going to potentially, you know, end Earth. And there's this, you know, very right. tense time yeah. that they're just there to make sure that in case that would happen, they were going to shut this down. They were going to make sure that life survives and that we don't nuke ourselves to oblivion. And I say that because, you know, the flap ends abruptly in 1977. And also that's when the treaty of the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons between Russia and United States is ratified. Right. And yeah, it's, it, the the interest that UFOs show in nuclear weapon, nuclear weapon testing sites and nuclear weapon, you know, silos uh, is not. this isn't the only time that you kind of see that or the in an area heightened ufo activity in an area with nuclear weapons Uh, we do have the one case i can't i can't remember it off the top of my head but it was a pretty impactful event where the ufo you know they were testing out the their missile silos and they were kind of arming the missiles and things like that and a ufo appeared over the base i think it was somewhere in the uk um and the the ufo seemed to actually disable the nuclear weapons like shot some type emitted some type of light some type of beam and seemed to disable those missile guidance systems so there is some of that kind of lines up brain theory lines up you know or you could correlate with that well, so we that, think uh, that's what like you can theorize that that's what happened but we don't have any fucking proof that that happened so it's the prime directive there, oh, some star trek some star trek that's what i mean though <laughs> But that's yeah. pretty much like so. It's like you can't. Well, you're not supposed to interfere. You can't directly interfere. Yeah. So they're Here, so they're just stopping. They're, they're stopping from rend- like if we were to blow ourselves up with nukes, the planet would be fine. But like 
it would be really hard for organic life to continue as is. You like kind of shut down yeah. the whole eco <laughs> ecosystem. Well, that yeah. So they might have some type of thing where it's either they're potentially they would be like some type of caretaker role, or they that would feel like they're to keep us from blowing ourselves up. We're or, the science experiment, uh, and they're just making sure that we continue on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Here's another theory I have. Now that we've been talking about beer run, this popped into my head halfway through the show. We have all these nuclear silos in North Dakota, you know, their bases, and there's a lot of issues, uh, sightings around airfield bases in Manitoba. Um, what if this is some sort of advanced aircraft uh, from the United States military? And it is, in fact, a beer run. And that was only named that <laughs> such because it was like a hidden kind of thing known, but, you know, through the whispers of Manitoba, that maybe these military personnel would get in this advanced craft, fly over the border, and land it in places, fucking with Canadians, and then go on a beer run while they were in, in Canada. Well, we do know, like, after that the one case file, we know that they had those fucking way advanced drones in the 70s, right? Like, way ahead of their time. Oh, that's right, yeah. Could this have been one of those? Maybe. Possibly. Right? Well, and then doing test flights over Manitoba is perfect because it's not like Canada has the capabilities to shoot these things down. So it's perfect. So if you're if you wanted to test like your surveillance drones, that would make so much fucking sense to drive it over Carmen, Manitoba, because outside of a someone shooting a twenty two, you know, you could do tests. You could drive it by house. You could see what you could do with it without fear of losing it at all. Because oh, I mean, throw some Manitoba. lights on it for theatrics, have no, a good laugh at the Canadians shit in their pants. No, man, that is the defense system of the UFO. It's, is the light itself make it so unrecognizable. You can, they're like, that's no way that's a craft. That's must, and everyone's like, you guys all must be crazy. It's a glowing orb. No, that's, that's the, it's not like invisible. It's purple. Like, Cause a lot of people say like, why do UFOs need the fucking lights? What's the point of the lights? Why do you know, I need to be glowing through the well, sky? And, and here's the thing: I know we didn't talk about it, but in the in the lake incident, uh, it was reported that people the the five men, the five boys at the dock there saw uh, windows wider than they were tall, but they saw windows on the craft. And my thing is like, well, why would a craft need windows? Like why? Like why would some intergalactic spacecraft? have windows it just seemed that seems weird to me it's an elaborate prank to get better beer yeah by just by the neighbors down south yeah that's a great that's a great prank right well that's why that's why it's mischievous and friendly because that's the that's what you know they're hiding the truth in plain sight right it's mischievous and friendly because it's the american soldiers just coming for beer so like there's a handful of people in on it maybe like the beer store guy like the convenience store man and yeah he knows he's like someone at the local yeah. Local landing strip or something. <laughs> there are three or four people in on it. That's only because like this is not one case that we went through. Would I classify this as mischievous or friendly? No, not. That's the furthest from my thoughts when I read these cases. They're personifying this terrible UFO in a way that gives them hope that it's not sinister. They're like, yeah, it's just yeah. friendly. But deep down, they all know like, nah, this is. Here's blocked. the thing. This is what I was thinking of, too. I was like. And I, you know, I should have looked into this more. I didn't get into it. So hashtag look it up. How many missing, unexplained missing persons are there in Southern Manitoba from 1975 to 1977 that you couldn't attribute to this? Are you saying that's taken people? Maybe. Dude, it's taken horses. 32 horses. Right? That's what I'm saying is like any unexplained disappearance in this time frame in that area. I'm going to say I'm like, you can't say it wasn't Charlie. 
<laughs> all I'm saying is you don't have any fucking proof, all right? Yeah, you can also say, it wasn't, say it was, you can't say it wasn't leprechauns. Like, yeah. I think that's true, Dan. Good point. I think that would make a great sequel of the book. Yeah, I'd buy it. Uh, any other? What else? What else do we think it is? Yeah, it's a fucking swamp gas weather balloon. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a I was uh weather phenomenon. That's what I'm looking for. Some type. That's what some. That's always the dismissive claim, especially if there's no continuous video evidence or like a clear picture people just say like maybe there is an atmospheric phenomenon going on for that six months only and it was i don't know that's what i don't understand i, about I can't this. figure out what that's, it could I know, be that sounds crazy that's what like, i don't understand like, about yeah, this just whole that case. six months located in that area and of, always comes that, this way over the hill well if you can fucking if it's like clockwork and you see this thing on a nightly basis everybody knows where it's fucking going you're telling me they couldn't get any better footage than what they have dude uh, it's 1975 still and it's in it's where's that fucking Manitoba. beautiful picture that you have that's sorry flo- the flo- residents of Carmen that fucking UFO that's flying over wherever on the island where you live that we can see that looks exactly like a fucking spaceship saucer yeah but when that was, was that? shot in like 96 Oh, was it 96? No, I don't know. But, I yeah. just like to think that there would be something better than what well, they have. There, it's the nighttime. Is the, that's, there is good cameras, but like uh, like night footage. So nighttime is the right hard. time unless you're trying to shoot well, pictures it, of fucking aliens. Well, unless, you have, like, unless you have lighting to like light up a set, like it's hard to take a picture. I'm assuming back then the cameras were much less sensitive to low light. So in there now. Of so course. if you're like if you're point, like pointing at a sky and there's an orange object or like you wouldn't really get any like a clear picture because you. Just what don't about have the, the fucking video though? Like that's the only video we had was the one we saw. Yeah, but it's the same. Well, okay. like, so I mean the same low light well, quality. Well, let's get into the only one. That. That's the only. Here's one the we big have. issue. Here's the big issue with this whole case is the only information we have about Charlie Red Star at all comes from Grant Cameron. And have you listened to the guy talk? That mm. is. You hit the nail on the head on that one. If you type in, if you're searching for Charlie Red Star, you want to know more about this UFO, it's really hard to get past the pages of just links to the book. And you can't even talk to any of the witnesses because none of their names are their fucking real names in the book. Grant Cameron himself, if you listen to interviews with him, he says he needed to get clearance of the people. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, he, the sister gave him this manuscript 30 years after he wrote it. And he's like, oh shit, I forgot I wrote this. To me, I'm like, how'd you forget you wrote a thing about these fucking no. UFOs that changed your life? I don't believe that for shit. Secondly, when the publisher goes, you need to get clearance, he just goes, well, most of them are dead, so I just made up all of the names. I changed and made up all the names. And it wasn't even the fact that he didn't remember write, he, writing some of it. He didn't remember writing the whole thing. Any of it. <laughs> He said no. He said in the interview that oh, he I just writing, forgot writing this two hundred page well, wait, wait, wait. script. Oh, hey, yeah. Listen, maybe he was like fucking Stephen King and like loved coke and alcohol oh, and that's true. Got super fucked up and wrote Cujo and forgot about it. But he he, he, he says he remembers just writing like a few like manuscripts and some like paragraphs. He don't does not remember writing the full thing. I think all. Stephen King remembers writing all his books. He doesn't remember directing Maximum Overdrive though. Maximum Overdrive was it's, fucking awesome. Me and he US doesn't remember directing Here's, but okay, no, he but, definitely doesn't remember. And I read that somewhere. He fucking was too coked up and threw the book in the garbage, and his wife picked it up out of the garbage. I was like, "Why are you throwing this away?" If you wrote this book and the publisher's like, "You got to get some clearance, like get some people's accounts on it, like get them to clear it," not everyone is dead. Like that's bullshit. 
that's bullshit. He's just being lazy. It's not that long and ago. And to me, and I'm like, instantly when you're being that lazy that you won't even go get one person, one person to sign off on their account, it raises serious fucking questions for me. Because then, right, then I'm like, well, then there's no other published account anywhere yeah. of this. It's you are the only account, right? So then, right then I'm like, you know, the greatest Canadian UFO flap that no one's ever talked about, right? Or ever reported except yeah. you 30 years later and you changed everyone's names. I'm going to say right now, you fucking made those names up because he couldn't even keep his story straight. In the book, McCann just says the horses were scared. That's it. He In the book, he doesn't mention anything about the fucking horses being going missing. But in every interview, every single interview that he talks about, he gets into this thing where he can't help but embellish the story. So he starts talking about the McCanns and their 32 missing horses. That wasn't, if that's such a big thing, mention it in the fucking book. Why would you leave it out of the book? Yeah, it's uh, it makes it tough when the only articles on the internet are based on the book and they're all within the next, last like year and a half. Yeah, and the other issue I have I have with Grant Cameron is that any interview about Charlie Redstar, he immediately, immediately changes the subject to other works he's working on or other things he's talking about. Like any interview about Charlie Redstar, he instantly starts going off about Mount Shasta and some fucking UFO visitors there and some other shit going on. And, and like just he instantly get, gets off the topic of Charlie Redstar almost immediately, which really rubbed me the wrong way. And I hate to say it because I really liked a lot of these accounts. It's a really fun story. I don't believe a lick of this book. I don't believe Grant Cameron in the slightest. I think this is a book he wrote. I don't even think he wrote it in 1975 or 1976. I believe he wrote it probably within the last 10 years. And he's full of shit. That's my personal opinion. Is he? Maybe not. And I would hope that. But like, fucking... Just get one other person to sign off on their account. Give me one other person that's published their account. Like it's yeah. crazy. I I will go on, you know, saying that he does. There are like two parts in the book where he does mention about the thirty-two horses going missing. Not he just he just says that the McCanns believe that someone either had stolen their horses, but they or they couldn't believe that thirty-two horses had just gone missing, you know, without a trace. And then he mentions that the the pasture from which they disappeared. There are also Sasquatch sightings in that area, apparently. So, you know, there must be lots of bushes with berries and boulders. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing that really bugs me. Brains on a rant. Brains on a rant. Yeah. Well, these these are things that bug me. Like Mothman, you guys to where's that in Point Pleasant or whatever, Virginia? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Not everything's in Virginia. Pennsylvania. Everything Pennsylvania. funds in Virginia. But they have like a Mothman, right? Like Mothman Festival. Like it's fucking Mothman this, Mothman this. You come to the Pacific Northwest, fucking Bigfoot everywhere, baby. We're exploiting the shit out of selling merch. Like Andrew said, this brings it back to what Andrew said. You look up Cameron, Manitoba. They don't give a fuck about Charlie Red Star. There's no Charlie Red Star Festival. They're not selling. They're not selling fucking, fucking you know, little keychains. Nothing. There's no Charlie. There's no Carmen Red Manitoba band. festival. Charlie closed, Red Star. Hey, listen, band. they fucking closed Charlie Land down in the 70s. So, <laughs> yeah, all thanks to McCann. Fucking yeah. McCann. <laughs> what a McAsshole. I would. Uh, I would tend to agree with you. I'm. I like the story. I think it 
would make I think there's a room for a great sequel personally and I I want to know if uh, if anyone there's some people that listen from Manitoba or central north central United States around that area Dakota if anyone has a grandpa or something in the area ask him about Charlie Red Star if someone rem- if he remembers a Charlie if someone remembers if you say Charlie Red Star and they're like oh yeah there was some if I I just want to know like a news article of the time or something there's that nothing time. that's what I want yeah I try you know I definitely you know dug into this one and the book was the only kind of like solid information oh, solid quotations uh solid information that i could find on the topic i tried to look up you know archive news articles i tried to look up individual the individual accounts that he put in the book and i tried to try to mm-hmm. source those confirm those and it's just like i couldn't find anything really besides the book and you know the idea the, the the military installations he mentions in the book uh but other than that it's really hard to find any mention of the the Charlie Red Star UFO flap that happened for went on for nearly two years. You know, people seeing chasing this this red ball of light down the highway. I was like, I think that would be a thing. <laughs> Maybe he is no, he's fabricating most of the story, but if someone goes there like they keep all the old newspapers on what do they call them? They like put them on those little digital cards and like store. microfiche. Yeah. Entertainment like Someone maybe this, no one's gone back to that news station. I don't know if they still exist or where the archives are. And maybe just no one's gone to that time and actually pulled them up because it's such a small town. No one's even pull, put the effort in yet. But I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look up because the National Enquirer even looked into it, and I tried to find like I I don't know. I'd have to try and dig a little bit deeper into where the National Enquirer keeps their archives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be that actually that's something I should I need to know so maybe I will look into that so look forward to a Charlie Red Star update at some point I suppose yeah. part two um final thoughts Charlie Red Star oh you know uh you know what I mean it's a it's a case uh, it's a case that's uh has got no evidence you know what I mean I, I don't know you know what I mean you know yeah you, you know what I mean I was thinking like you know what I mean like some joke here it's overplayed you know what I mean uh, anyways, that's what I was thinking. I didn't really look in this. You know what I mean? Uh, I didn't really look into it very much. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Let's, Thanks, we... Andrew. Uh, Zell, what do you think? I think that uh, I just need I need something more than just the book, even though I think the story is good, and I think it makes for actually... It would, it's, make a movie. Make this yeah. Charlie Red Star. Make it, a, make it that girl. She's, a, she's like a fucking... She's the alien, and she's hiding it this whole time. And that's the, that's the movie. Turns into this orb, starts scaring girls, earthquakes, their fucking house and shit. It's a good movie. Let's get let's get it made. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Uh, it's a fun book to read. Just wish there was more out there to find. Uh, maybe there is. Maybe dig a little bit deeper, find something. If you, but... And again, if you have a first-hand account or know someone who has a first-hand account, get them in touch with us. We want to know. Uh, Andrew, final thoughts. Charlie Red Star. Uh, fun, oh. entertaining, but bullshit. There you go. I know what you mean. Okay. Uh, all right, so you know my thoughts on it. I think it's bullshit as well. Why don't we get into a little space news? I thought this uh, article was an interesting read I sent to you guys. Uh, entire cities could fit inside the moon's monstrous lava tubes. Yeah, that's cool. Two things. I didn't know the moon had any tubes of any kind. Well, uh, I know. Secondly... I didn't know they had any lava. Moon had lava? 
We talked about Unbelievable. That, we talked about that they think the volcanic activity on the moon was greater than they initially thought. And then this article confirms that lava tubes on the moon. I don't know if, has anyone been in a lava, lava tube, like in a tour or anything? No. Fuck that. Oh man, it's pretty. No, I don't think so. It's pretty cool. Like you can see where like, it's where the lava like melted through softer rock and left like the granite around and it's all like crystallized. But on earth, they'd only get so big. Like it, I think they get like maybe a couple hundred feet wide and tall because of the gravity and like the mass. But on the moon, they're saying these fucking moon tunnels can be so big you could fit entire small cities inside these lava tubes because the moon's less dense and the gravity's less. And so these, I guess they're saying these caverns can form that are like 1,500 times the size of what can form on Earth. So that's where the fucking alien bases are. They're in the moon in the caverns. Well, and that's what they're saying is that these caverns could be future sites of human bases. It makes sense because you're shielding. But they are current sites of alien bases. Or current sites of human bases in the secret space program with Corey Good and the boys. Yeah. Still waiting for the proof of the age regression, but... I had... um, They are starting to put together Lucy. Uh, The NASA asteroid mission Lucy begins spacecraft assembly before 2021 launch. Uh, So this is going to go out... uh, I think it's past Jupiter. They're going to look at all the space rocks out there and uh, they're looking for water. They're seeing what's... uh, Looking at these never-before-seen Trojan asteroids and uh, they're just starting to put the spacecraft together. So are they going to bring one of these asteroids back and then own the planet? I don't think so. I think they're just scanning it. You know, they're just going to look, try to figure out what they're made of. For the next mission (laughs) to go capture them and bring them back to Earth to reap the benefits of the rare minerals. Oh, yeah. Called it. 100%. 2031. I I like this one. A galaxy far, far away Looks like a TIE fighter. Astronomers discover unexpectedly. I'm like, I guess if you squint through your eyelashes and then someone says TIE fighter, you're like, yeah, and you twist it to look a certain way. You're like, okay, maybe. Um, (laughs) It has like one tiny, it's like a TIE fighter with a broken wing. Yeah, they say TXS. Like a TIE interceptor. Yeah, it's got the curved wings like like the interceptor. Probably. Uh, TXS0128 uh, plus 554. They've known for a few years. Uh, they've NASA scientists have basically recently done a deep dive and then they realized, oh my God, it's Darth Vader's ship. And they made a big news conference about it. Well, this one article. Uh, interesting, but like I was like, eh. I was like, I guess so, but it's a stretch. You got to write some fun articles in the in the space news websites and magazines. Some sometimes. days it's a slow day in yeah. space. Slow day. It is. Thank you. Uh, it's not a slow day for SpaceX as they are going to attempt three rocket launches <laughs> Sunday, 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 Sunday. Move over monster trucks. Sunday is now space day. Uh, <laughs> they're going to launch two back-to-back Falcon 9 launches in Florida and a Starship test flight in Texas. Uh, Elon Texas, Musk Texas. sent a twist. Yeah, he's Elon Musk was like, there's a good chance something's going to fuck up, but uh, well, Sunday's going to be intense. Good Sunday, uh, so, Sunday, good Sunday. Sunday. Something will Stay slip. Tuned. But yeah, <laughs> Sunday slip, is intense. Slip, slip, So they're going to uh, they're gonna launch a Starlink and a Salcom 1B. Uh, they'll be live streamed. So uh, stay tuned. I mean... Stay tuned. You're tuned, looking for something tuned. to watch on TV lately. Watch some launches. 
on some launches. We got three possible. So there's a good chance we might get one at least. We might, chances are we might get zero on Sunday. Yeah, you, it, yeah so it's a, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. If there's Sunday. 1% chance of lightning, then they cancel it. So you never know. Um, Did you have any other space news? Anyone else have any space news? Nope, those were the main ones. That's, that's all I got. This week. Um, how are we for time? Is this, this one's run a little long. Why don't we get right into Patreon's uh, let's go. Let's get the theorite of the week. Philly on Discord from our private Discord fucking. server. <laughs> Someone explain it. This thing's fucking great. I gotta, I'm gonna pull he, it up. He did a picture of an alternate reality where four aliens start a podcast called Human Theorists Theorizing, <laughs> and it's basically the four of us in alien form. Uh, it's hilarious. It's spectacular it's awesome uh, well, we'll post it on our instagram uh he gave us permission we'll do that tomorrow that is uh, a, thanks philly yeah, was, we have a we have a surprisingly amount of spectacularly talented people yeah that's crazy we're way, way more talented than us way more talented oh way ridiculous <laughs> it is just like i saw that pop up in the in the the art the art channel and i was like holy shit yeah. that's fucking rad <laughs> i was like that is cool i want to talk to you guys about that's something so we can do with that in, in, a, in a bonus episode or something after and after hours. Okay. Um, uh, so, but Philly, thanks, Philly. Uh, You're the theory of the week. Yeah, it's so That's good. Fucking if you want to be theorite of the week, just if you can submit something to any of our socials, Discord, email, alientheorists at gmail.com that, that we can post to social media and give you credit for. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, don't think like Philly is an unbelievable artist. And when you see this, you're going to be like, I'll never be theorite of the week. Well, you can be, because be. even if you post something funny where you roast us or you, you, you yep. something clever, witty where we can use it, we have a good and laugh. I think memes, memes are, yeah. memes are you just gotta uh, acceptable. Make, you got to make us laugh and it's got to stand out to us. I mean, we're getting to the point now where we get lots of stuff in. Most of it's gold, but every now and then, you know, the cream rises to the top. And there's some fucking gold. <laughs> as the macho man, Randy yeah. Savage says. Yeah, as, a, as a macho man says. But, there's some gold out there and uh, you just got to make sure what you're sending. It's just got to make us have a good laugh. Yeah, that's and, it. Uh, you'll be theater of the week. Make us laugh. Um, if you're not supporting the show on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast and get yourself a whole bunch of bonus goodies. And then join us after the normal recordings for a little after hours. This week we got James Barnett, Crystal Kegel, Jamie went up. Chris Moreno, Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's, a trap. <laughs> it's not Admiral. I, I'm out of that for you. Oh. Right, that's all good. Monique Ponce, Candace Clemens, Keenan Simpson, Edward Docurti, Cody Dixon, and Tony Robinson. Thank you very much for supporting the show this week. If you haven't Ooh. figured out how to get onto our Discord, just ask, and we'll, uh, we'll send you the link. It's well, It should automatically happen, but if not, let us know. And uh, check out our new store on oh, TeePublic. Pump that shit. Yes. Finally. But here's the it's thing. Here's rad. the thing. We got we had tons of issues with Streamlabs um, recently with COVID. We've switched back to TeePublic, but here's the thing. You want to help your boys out and get some sweet-ass merch? TeePublic has gives us the ability to add way more designs and then you get to pick what clothes and shit they're on. But if you just search alien theorists on T public, you're going to find us and you're going to buy merch from us, but you're going to give more money to T public than to us. Yep. So you need to go www.tpublic.com slash question mark 
REF underscore ID <laughs> equals 13961. Or easier, go to any of our social media pages and find the link there. It helps us get a little more money. You give us a little more money than T Public. They do not make it easy, do they? That's fucking <laughs> you ridiculous. Just said, go to our social, oh. go to our social media no, and click on the link. It's Don't funnier use to, anything else. It's funnier no, to I'm say that give you whole the exact. Link. If you go, okay. give you the whole. I, I like that. I like the enthusiasm on the link. You could just go to Instagram. Go to the, <laughs> They're going to go back. I have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> if you did it the long way, show us a video of you doing it the long way and we'll send you a discount code. I like that. It's not, I don't know. We'll do something. <laughs> We're not. Anyways, it, it's on It's on our website too, aliantheorist.com. Easy to find. You don't have to type in the full 37 digit address. Uh, and as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Easy, buddy. Hey everyone, did you know, according to the sacred text bound in human flesh known as the Necronomicon, that our Dark Lord Cthulhu rests in his sunken city of Rilia on a giant pile of money? Well, if you don't want to see the world devolve into a black abyss of gibbery madness, or you just want to support our show, go ahead and head over to Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash Podcast, or head over to aliantheoristtheorizing.live where you can suppress the Dark Lord by buying our merch. Or really stick it to him by leaving us a five-star review and subscribing. Thanks a lot. And fliknui mlknafa Cthulhu Rilia Wagnagel Fatagan. Wagnagel Fatagan to you too, Dan.